Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 22, Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. And Shaq, it's going down tonight. In just a few hours, you got Derek Brunson welcoming, uh, potentially welcoming uh, Kevin Holland to the top five. You already know the deal. Only a select few individuals get past Derek Brunson. And when they do, they usually go on uh, to do some big things, Shaq. So the question is, uh, is Kevin Holland one of those guys? Derek Brunson, he's been, uh, I mean, at the highest level in the middleweight division for a very long time. But we, we know what type of fight this is. They're trying to see if Kevin Holland, a.k.a. Big Mouth, is is ready for uh, for prime time. Derek Brunson, he's fought some of the best guys in the world. Kevin Holland's coming off a very viral knockout. He's got the fans behind him. So this is a good matchup. Uh, and stylistically, too, because we know Kevin likes to play off his back and Brunson's a good wrestler. And we know that Kevin's striking is improving. And, you know, we've seen Brunson in the past uh, have trouble. So I'm excited. You know, one difference here is that this is the best version of Brunson we've ever seen. You know, I think the biggest difference is that it's not like he's changed his style dramatically. It's just he's a lot more composed than he used to be. You know, he's not getting sucked into the trash talk. But Kevin's talking is unlike anything I've ever seen or heard before in all my years watching the sport. Shaq, did you see that little video the UFC put out of all the clips of Kevin talking during his fights? Yeah, I mean, but, you know, this is something I've known from day one, uh, just uh, even from his uh, Bellator days. I know uh, when he fought Jeff Neal on the local scene, he cut a, a very good promo in the, in the lead up to that one as well, so. Uh, I'm excited for Kevin Holland. It's going to be a, a hell of a fight. And for Brunson, I mean, he's been saying he wants a title shot for like the last half decade. You beat Kevin Holland back to back with Edmund Shabazi, and that's a big step in the right direction. That'll put him in a title eliminator type of fight. So regardless, the winner is going to take a big step up the ladder. So we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But first, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. And is there anything better than fresh mowed grass at the ballpark on opening day. How about freshly groomed balls? Our sponsor, Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, are here to help you strike out your bush for good. It's a whole new balls game, folks, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. And I'm telling you, these products are no joke. So easy to use, and I have all the confidence in the world with the best tools for the job at Manscaped. And, uh, I mean, look at Kevin Holland. You know, he got sponsored by Manscaped. Now he's in this main event. You look at Max Holloway uh, breaking significant strike records since he got that Manscaped sponsorship. You shouldn't be any different. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and that's what I'm holding in my hands right now, the Lawnmower 3.0. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced with a close shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Hits the sweet spot in every way for my balls. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. It's time to keep your testes fresh and clean. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your uh, to keep your balls uh, sticking to your legs from end to end. 
What a curveball from the norm when I'm at the ball game. This stuff is legit. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boxer game to that next level. Complete your top-to-bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature sent by Manscaped. I know my boy Shaq knows about that uh, Manscaped cologne. They, they hooked us up with it, smelling fresh every single day. With the same signature scent that's in all the Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. And talk about the ultimate utility, man. Manscaped is the Mike Trout of ball trimmers. For me, it's the Marcelo Zuna. For everybody else, it's the Mike Trout. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Hit the balls out of the park this season with Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BATTLE20. Baseball is back. Don't let your pubes uh, get out of whack, Shaq. Yeah, you know, actually... I actually had to sign up for that. Uh, I, I forget what it's exactly called, but they they uh, deliver the uh, crop, the preserver, the uh, and they deliver it like every month. So, you know, I had to I had to sign up for that package. That's how much I I uh, I vowed for Manscaped. So, sign up, use that code Battle Twenty, and I use my code Battle Twenty. So, we're in there. Yes, sir. Let's get down to business. First up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between J.P. Bays. He's nine and two, and Bruno Bulldog Silva is ten five and two. Currently, they got J.P. Bays minus one thirty seven, and Bruno Bulldog is plus one twenty seven. So, Shaq, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have said, "Hey, no guy that lost a fight to Joby Sanchez is winning fights inside the UFC's octagon." But hey, he went back to the regional scene. He put in work. He's been getting wins now. Some of those wins, uh, I, I know Shaq remembers what happened when he fought Magomedov, and I know on paper it looks good. Hey, he beat an undefeated Russian. But if you're thinking that, hey, look, has he patched up his cardio issues? No, he hasn't. However, Bruno Silva, he is kind of a physical guy. He does train at Fight Ready with Henry Cejudo, and he has kind of underperformed in his UFC career. But this might be a hot take. I kind of low-key thought he beat Ulan Bekov his last fight. I kind of thought he beat the Russian. I feel like he's looking better. It's just, um, you know, he's fighting a much more physical guy, and I think that he's going to have to weather a serious storm here. So I kind of see J.P. Baez getting off to a big lead, maybe even getting an early sub, and then Bruno might maybe comes back late second and then takes uh, takes over the third round, and I think they're going to give the decision to uh, J.P. Baez. So I'm going to go with J.P. Uh, to get this one done, Shaq. Yeah, I, I see Bruno's a, a popular underdog, and I and I see the improvements. I think he's fought tough competition, Khalid Taha, um, David Dvorak, and the Russian. In which I agree, I thought I think he won that fight. He's actually not training at fight ready anymore. He, you know, you can't. Not everyone can afford. You can't afford to train at fight ready when you're zero and three. So, you know, I think uh, Bruno is showing improvements. There's just no evidence to say that JP buys can fight for three rounds i don't know maybe he can it seems like he comes out with the same game plan every fight try to overwhelm the guy with the wrestling some big takedowns even in that joby sanchez fight he was only 21 years old so uh you know sometimes young kids pull uh you know big mistakes it happens from time to time uh but i'm gonna go with bruno silva i think that he is gonna capitalize in the second and third rounds and i i think bruno can't, I've never known him. To, I know he Taha submitted him in the third round, but that was after he took a pounding on the feet and he was already kind of 
Uh, I think Khalid Taha actually missed weight for that fight as well. Um, so he was dealing with a much bigger man. And just look at the durability of Taha. Uh, Taha fought Hayoni Barcelos. I was I was sitting there wondering what what the hell was gonna what it was gonna take for him to to stop fighting and quit. But he uh, I see why they call him the Warrior Man. So I'm gonna go with Bruno Silva. I think he's fought tougher competition. I honestly think he's got a, a better skill set throughout the 15 minutes. I mean he was picking up that Russian with single legs and dumping him. So I. Uh, I'm going to go with Bruno Silva. I think he's paid his dues. He's fought the tough competition. He's getting another chance, and I think tonight's his night, so I'm going with Bruno. Now, before we talk about this next fight between Montel Jackson and Jesse Strader, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Montel Quick Jackson. He's 9-2, and two, and Jesse Strader is 5-1. and one. Currently, they got... Montel Jackson minus 615 the comeback on Jesse Strader's plus 410 so man I'm kind of worried that Montel Jackson might like become kind of like a waste of talent and I'm really worried about that because when you hear about the kind of expectations that I had for this kid I mean I thought this guy could be a top five guy maybe even a future world champion he's got all the physical tools he's well-rounded and he's like you see little moments of greatness here and there. But, you know, I, I know that when you talk about social media and like Instagram and stuff, you can choose what you show the world. But what he chooses to show the world leads me to believe that maybe this guy isn't all in. And that, that's that's honestly worrisome because it's like you're so damn talented. But like, why am I seeing Montel on the street drinking 40s with his homies? Why am I seeing Montel with a gun tucked into his pants? Like, are you a pro fighter or are you a gangbanger? Listen, it's probably not going to make a difference here against Jesse Strader. By the way, you guys got to see Jesse Strader's fight against Marcelo Rojo, the kid that fought Charles Jordan. Great one round fight. But Jesse Strader's in over his head here. He's going to get his ass beat in this fight. It's just after that, what's going to happen after that? Because that, listen, I don't care what anyone says, that Montel Jackson fight versus Brett Johns, that was a stunt and a half. That was a stunt of epic proportion. The fight starts off, Montel Jackson, it, it, I mean, he drops him, he's destroying him. It's looking like a mismatch. And then he completely stops fighting, Shaq. I mean, this wasn't even about, you know, Brett Johns pushing that pedal to the metal. You look at the strike counts, Brett Johns lands less than 20 strikes in round two and three. He kind of just pinned him up against the fence for the last 10 minutes of the fight. Montel stopped fighting. It was quite bizarre, my friend. And I got nothing against Brett Johns. I bet on Brett Johns against Gravely. I like Brett Johns, but I, I just, I need to see, you know, I, I need to see Montel wanting this shit, but he's going to beat Jesse Strader. I'm just worried moving forward. But this fight, probably a knockout, probably a submission. But no matter what, a domination by Montel Jackson here, Shaq. Yeah, you know, all those things you said, they're just not going to matter here because he's fighting Jesse Strader. So it's an easy fight for Montel. Montel could win this fight uh, off the couch drinking 40s. I just had uh, some oxtail and curry goats from the Jamaican spot, man. He can, he can do whatever he wants. He's going to beat Jesse Strader here. But, yeah, moving forward. I don't know, man. Montel, like you said, that last fight was very disappointing. Brett kind of stalled him out the last two fight, uh, the last two rounds. Uh, Montel, he got clinched up, um, but Brett Johns is like a, a top twenty guy. So I mean, maybe it's just growing pains. But Montel, yeah, he's got to stop. He's got to stop getting on Instagram live on the block in Milwaukee, you know, with the with the strap out and you know hanging out with crackheads and shit. But you know, he's got to he's got to stop doing that shit. But uh, He'll, he'll, he might get a 50K bonus tonight, man. Jesse Schrader, this is, this is the guy to have a highlight reel finish against. So. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Trevin Giles. He's 13-2, and two, and Roman Dolidze is 8-0. and oh. Currently, they got Roman Dolidze minus 112. Trevin Giles is plus 102. So, 
It appears as though all the action is on Trevin Giles here. Roman Delize dropping to 85. Onshore, notice, made weight without a problem. So, I mean, he's been talking about dropping weight for a while. So that shows me he's been in the gym. He's a professional. And Delize, the thing about him is he's pretty well-rounded. I mean, he's got heavy hands. Um, also, he's a, he's a little bit overconfident in his uh, ground game. You know, he'll drop back for heel hooks and stuff. And against certain people, that's not going to work. We have seen Trevin Giles get tapped out more than once, uh, Shaq. Uh, what do you think about Delize dropping the middleweight here? About the fight or him dropping the middleweight? Both. Um, I, yeah, the thing is, yeah, because he kind of does seem a little undersized. This is a tough fight because the way I view it is Giles has the better physical traits. He's faster, uh, out in space, more powerful, and Delize kind of plays a lot of games in there. So does Trevin. Uh, but Delize, man, at times he's like joking, laughing. Hey, but Trevin, I'm sure Trevin, uh, Trevin likes to do the Ric Flair in there. He likes to. He likes to do the woo, so I'm sure they'll have a good time. Um, the issue I have with Trevin is the, just the big fatal mistakes. He Every now and then he'll make a big tragic error. Look, the Gerald Mershart fight, I, I view Trevin as a much better fighter than Gerald Mershart, but he got tapped out because of bad decision-making. There was He was trying to grapple a guy with – how many submissions does uh, Mershart have? Like a lot, a lot. Like over – yeah, like a shit ton. And, um, and his fight with Zach Cummings, look – I, I'll I'll take that one just because Zach Cummings is a tough guy. He's handed out some first L's a, along uh, the way in his UFC career, so there's no shame in that. But then we you know the situation that happened when he fought Kevin Holland. I don't know exactly what happened. He uh, passed out by stage, and then his his last one. I mean, look, Vavon is from our side of town, but he you know is just Vavon uh, doesn't. <laughs> he really didn't tell me much, so. Look, I think that Delize should probably be the slight favorite just because he's he's well-rounded. It seems like he makes less mistakes when he's focused, but he needs to cut the, the laughing and playing around, dropping for leg locks, some of this funny things. But the fact is, if if he takes all that bullshit out of his game, I think that he can be a, a, a better decision maker and slightly, uh, slightly win this fight. But I'm not confident just because Delize, honestly, I don't think think he's a future 15 guy like how they're projecting or a top 20 guy i don't think he's honestly that 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 great anything special uh got some good little tricky submissions he landed a nice little knee against uh what's his name the russian ibrahimov but uh i'm not so sold on him you know in the general scheme of things but i'm gonna I'm pick him to get this one but i'm gonna say by close 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 decision Got my boy uh, Devante Sewell in the chat uh, talking about that oxtail and curry. Go to uh, Devante. Uh, I can't wait to see you uh, choke out Calvin Miller in the first round. It's going to be a great fight for you. Looking forward to your return, my man. But, man, as far as this Trevin Giles versus Roman Delize fight is concerned, Trevin Giles has a lightning-fast jab. He's very experienced. I mean, we're talking about a guy that beat Brendan Allen and Ryan Spann on the regional scene. So he's already been in there with some top competition. And Roman Delize... I mean, I know that it kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, the way he acted in his last fight. You know, he's beating the dude up, and he's talking to his coach like, hey, coach, should I submit him? You know, and he drops <laughs> back for a leg lock. Like, I mean, that shit's entertaining to me, and the thing we can't forget is that this is a two-way street. I mean, Trevin Giles is out here going, woo, in the middle of all his fights, too. So it's not like it's not like Roman's the only one out here fucking around. So and all the action's been coming in on Giles, and I understand why there will be a time to fade Delize. Maybe it's tonight. I'm just not quite convinced, man. So I'm going to go with Delize here. I'm going to go on the opposite of the public action. And I think he finds something opportunistic uh, along the way. Look, do I think it's going to be smooth sailing? Probably not. It's probably going to be a very sketchy and hairy fight. 
with a lot of back and forth moments, but ultimately I'll go with Dolize uh, via something opportunistic. Now, next up in the 155 pound division, we got Grant Dawson, who's 16 and one, taking on Leo Santos, who's 18 and three. Currently, they got Grant Dawson minus 210. The comeback on Leo Santos is plus 190. So, Shaq, both guys are undefeated in the UFC. Someone's O has got to go. Grant Dawson, 14 years younger than Leo Santos. But, you know, Leo, Leo, all he does is win, Shaq. So, uh, what do you think about this fight? Leo has that knack of uh, surprising. I remember back in the day when he fought Kevin Lee, everyone thought Kevin Lee was a, a for sure thing. And next thing you know, Kevin Lee was on the campus. So, uh, then he came back, fought Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray ended up on the canvas as well. The last guy he fought, he, I know he dealt with some uh, low blows, had to deal with it. Look, I think that Grant Dawson is a good prospect. I think he's got a lot of good attributes, cardio, wrestling, the takedowns. Uh, he's got a good coach. The only thing I'm worried about with him is he does take the occasional big shot. He has been KO'd before. And the guys that he's fought in the UFC currently, look, they're, they're, they are they're aight, you know, <laughs> but it's nothing to uh, write home about. Uh, Derek Minner's more of a grappling-style fighter. Uh, who, uh, Nad Naramani, you know, and uh, who else did he fight? Uh, Mike Trezano is a good win. Like, uh, that, that's a very good win. I'll give him that, but... I view Leo Santos as much more experienced, much more tested. Nova Uniao black belt. Is uh, the takedowns going to be there necessarily? We'll see. I, I think Grant Dawson pushes much more of a harder pace and could possibly overwhelm Leo in that aspect. He is, how old is he now, 40 or pushing it close? Like 41. 41, okay, so he's over 40. And so at some point you're expecting the wheels to fall off. Is look, I view this. I'm gonna pick Grant Dawson to win because I think that he is gonna overwhelm him with the cardio. But from a betting perspective, it's a little sketchy to me because you gotta respect Leo, and there is openings out in space for him to snipe him with that long right hand. There is, uh, he could also, you know, get, capitalize on some calf kicks. But Grant's throwing the calf kicks, he's he's looking out like a, a little version of Kraus out there. I'm just worried that he gets caught early. Um, but if he doesn't, I see him overwhelming Leo with the pace. So I'm picking the one. So like in a fight like this, you wonder like what's Grant Dawson's strategy going into it? And uh, you want to know something, Shaq? They're extremely confident in not just beating uh, the seven-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion, but they think they can come out here and submit him. Because I heard... Um, James Krause, he was on this betting show talking about how, you know, hey, this might be a hot take, but I think Grant Dawson can submit the guy. And that's not a case of, oh, I'm going to stand and bang with Paul Daly like Josh Koscheck said and then, you know, shot a takedown two seconds in. Like, if James Krause is telling you to bet on Grant Dawson via submission, that means that James Krause truly believes that Dawson's going to come out here and submit him. Now, while I don't think that's going to happen, what I'm worried about for Leo is the second and third round, because one thing about Brazilians, not to generalize at all, but we don't often criticize Brazilians for their jujitsu or their stand-up or their physique or their experience. We criticize them for sometimes their cardio, and I'm worried about what happens in these later rounds, because that's one thing about Dawson. He does take those big shots, but in being so well-conditioned, he's able to recover very, very fast. Now he's moving up a weight class. He's a big boy. And I think the first round and a half is going to be kind of sketchy, but Leo starts to slow down just a little bit against a guy like Dawson. That's going to be the green light he needs to put that pedal to the metal, push that pace, maybe start mixing in some takedowns of his own because I understand Leo Santos is a much better credentialed uh, 
black belt than Grant Dawson. However, when you're extremely fatigued and when you're completely tired, when you're doing the Brazilian mummy, it doesn't matter how good of a black belt you are. So Dawson kind of needs to wear him out early. It's going to it's gonna be sketchy in the early going. But eventually, I think he takes over in the second and third. I'll go with Grant Dawson to hand Leo Santos his first ever UFC defeat. Now, next up in the bandweight division, we got Marion Renault. She's nine and six, and she's taking on Macy Chauzon, who's six and one. Currently, they got Macy Chauzon minus two ten. The comeback on Marion Renault is plus one ninety. So I'm gonna be a hundred with you, man. I have not been that impressed with Macy Chauzon. However, she gets away with a lot of these techniques not being the prettiest by the sole fact that she's pretty fucking big for the weight class, man. She's five foot eleven, and in these weight classes, like like we talked about, man, power and strength can make up for technique a lot of the time because. If you just if, if they put on the gi together, Marion Renault is going to tap out Macy Chauzon, and that's just the bottom line. But in MMA, Marion Renault is so overconfident in her jujitsu that she doesn't really make that much of an effort to stuff these takedowns. I think she can be grinded out. It's just that Macy Chauzon, like, dude, some of these techniques I'm seeing, just like just her process in fighting. She needs a lot of work. And in that Lena Landsberg fight, you know, not not to disrespect a fighter and call it a quit job, but I mean. Uh, Safe Sayud, Coach Safe Sayud was pleading and begging for her to get back into that fight mentally. So I'm definitely worried about what happens when Marion Renault comes out here, cracks her with something big. I mean, you know, Marion Renault made former title challengers Beth Cohea and, and Holly Holm, by the way, do a little uh, do a little wobbly dance. So that's what we got to be worried about here. She's also submitted Jessica Andrade in the first round back in the day. So something opportunistic is the way Marion wins. If Macy has leveled up just a little bit and come, can come out here with the right game plan, take her down and avoid being submitted, grind her out, I think that's the path to victory. And I'm going to go with Macy Chauzon. But um, obviously, obviously, I'm you know kind of worried about you know the little in-betweens here because Macy still has a lot of seasoning to do. But I'll pick her to win this fight, Shaq. Yeah, I think that seasoning is has been done. I think that seasoning is kind of similar to her teammate Kennedy coming off a, what over a year layoff, a lot of training time, a lot of practices, a lot more time to get comfortable, a lot more time to, you know, finally realize what your skill set is. And I think it's going to come to fruition on Saturday. Marion Renault has fought some very tough competition. Kunitskaya, uh, Andrade, like just the girls you mentioned, Raquel Pennington. These are all top five, top 10 uh, level girls. So 100% she's got the uh, experience advantage, but uh, I just think that at 43 years old, it's going to be tough to really dig in the trenches in those late rounds, kind of like how you saw in her last fight. I mean, things are very bad in the end in that uh, Raquel Pennington fight, but Raquel Pennington is a good fight, uh, fought for a title at one point. So, um, yeah, I think that the performances, if you just watch the tape, probably haven't lived up for uh, Chazon to have confidence in her, but I think with this training, with this time off, I think that's the key to this fight, the time off for her to finally – uh, the time off for her to finally, uh, to re you know, just practice and get more comfortable, man. You need that practice time. Look at Kennedy. Uh, he, I mean, he was fighting an inexperienced guy, but just, you know, just more comfortability, man, because he finally let his hands go. And I think it's going to be something similar here. And not to mention, there's a big hole in Marion Renault's game. That's the wrestling and safe side. He's been known to, to, you know, call switch ups at times and, and switch up the game plan and go for the takedown. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that here. So I'm going with Chase on for the win. 
A shout out to our new subscriber, Into Thin Air. He said, can't spell Chandler without Gaethje. Great show, new sub. Thank you very much for subscribing. Everybody else, give us a like and a subscribe. Now, Shaq, uh, next up in the heavyweight division, we got Tai Tuivasa. He's 11-3. He's taking on Harry Hunsucker, who's 7-3. Currently, they got Tai Tuivasa minus 445. The comeback on Harry Hunsucker is plus 395. So I've been asked a lot, does Harry Hunsucker have a chance in this fight? Yes. However, his chances in the first two minutes after that, it goes out the window because Harry Hunsucker is what we like to refer to as a suicide mission type fighter, a kamikaze type fighter. He's going to go out there. He's going to throw big bombs and either you're going to get knocked out or he's going to get knocked out. This guy's never been past the first round. And in fact, he's been knocked out by a few UFC vets, lower level vets, uh, albeit, you know, whether it's Jared Bandera or Dante Mays. So, I mean, Look, he rebounded from his Jared Vandera fight. He knocked some dude out in the first round. But now it's time to get back to reality. Look, Tai Tuivasa, maybe he underperformed in some big fights, but keyword, big fights. This is the kind of fight he's going to come out here, tee off on the guy. I mean, Tai Tuivasa, he's got a little bit of that, you know, that Mark Hunt type style, very influenced by him. You know, you know how they do down under. Um, he, he's a very tough guy. I think he's going to come out here. I think he's going to throw a big left hook, set him up with the uppercut, maybe the overhand, chop him down with leg kicks. Bottom line, I got tied to Ivasa via first round knockout, and we're going to be seeing a nice little shoey uh, live on ESPN tonight, uh, Shaq. Yeah, Ty, Ty's not losing to this guy, man. Like, there's no chance he loses to this guy. We're talking, he lost to Spivak. Y'all know how high I am on my boy, the polar bear from Moldova. I mean, look at, he's out here. You saw, you saw what he did his last fight to Vandera, left him in a, uh, and a pool of blood, and Blagoy Ivanov, uh, Arlovsky, JBS. I mean, the, the dudes he's been in there with is just completely a uh, different ball game. Yeah, so I, I see him running through this guy, Harry Hunsucker, and maybe they can do Harry Hunsucker versus Volante, or you know, or uh, who's a who's a, a, a bum heavyweight? Um, Jay Collier. Yeah. Oh, Jay Collier is fighting uh, Carlos Boy Felipe. So. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I tied to us. I hear he's training with DC now, and uh, at AKA he's trying to take steps to advance his game. So I got to Ivasi calm down on his drinking a little bit as well. So now I don't know if there's any truth to this, but BP says Macy Shazan had heart problems last year and also had a small concussion a few weeks ago. Inter interesting info. We'll see if that uh, makes a difference uh, in tonight's fight. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Max Payne Griffin. He's 16 and 8. And Keenan Song is 16 and 5. Currently, they got Max Griffin minus 200. The comeback on Keenan Song is plus 185. So, uh, Max Griffin, man, he's been paying his dues. He's been in the UFC a long ass time. He's fought some really tough competition. I mean, I remember when we thought Eliza Zuleski was just going to mop the floor with him. And, you know, he did get a 30 27. But that first round, man, I mean, like, we had to sweat it. So this guy can rise to the occasion from time to time. You remember when he beat Mike Perry in Florida, that last fight, he made the dude's ear explode. And granted, you know, all due respect to Fortis MMA, and I think Rami's Brahimai will be back, but Rami's Brahimai, what's he known for? He's known for coming out here and dominating guys on the mat. And Shaq, not how many takedowns did he land, how many did he shoot? He shot zero takedowns in that fight against Max Griffin. So to me, I don't put as much stock in that performance because it was almost like Max Griffin was fighting against a punching bag. Like like I told you, we saw Rami's Brahimai in every single fight on the regional scene. Take these guys down, and even if you can't finish, like at least you tried. And if you gas out a, as a result, like I said, at least you gave it your best effort. Whereas in this fight, he didn't shoot a single takedown on Max Griffin. So that kind of 
that's why I'm not putting as much stock. And then with Keenan Song, we can say, hey, you fought Callan Potter, which I understand. But there were little things in that fight that I liked. The fact that he went forward the entire time. He was active the entire time. He added some new elements to his game. I know you saw those Conor McGregor shoulder strikes that Keenan Song was throwing. So basically what I'm trying to get at is Ozmaker said minus 127 Max Griffin. They were saying, look, a slight lean on Max Griffin. But now we're dealing with minus 200. Do you agree with the public action? And who is your pick in this fight? Yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed with Keenan Song, to be honest, man. I think that he's got a good right hand, but I think that you should put more emphasis on that it was Callan Potter. Like, for real, for real. I think, like, you have to put emphasis on, like, look at Mackie Patolo, for example. They keep bending him in these fights. No, he lost to Callan <laughs> Potter. It is over. He cannot win a UFC fight. Callan Potter is a complete punching bag. He has no business. He retired after that fight uh, with Keenan Song. Um, so I think there needs to be more emphasis on that. Um, no, no disrespect to Kyle and the rock star Potter, great performance against Mackie Patolo, but it is what it is. Um, as far as this matchup goes, I think that Keenan song, yeah, there is openings to counter Max Griffin, but Max Griffin has shown throughout the course of his UFC career that the, the boy can take a punch, man. I, I'll give him that. <laughs> Cause I've seen Max take some shots where I was like, I was like, damn bro. You, uh, <laughs> props to you. Cause I mean, he fought Covington, he fought Eliza, he fought Mike Perry, he fought Alex Oliveira. Like, this dude has been in the trenches, man. And now I think that they're kind of starting to ease up on his opponents a little bit and give him uh, these lesser guys. Now, I'm not saying Keenan Song is, like, so obviously much lower level than him. It's just that in a lot of Keenan Song's fights, it's just I want more. Like, the Derek Krantz fight was such a discipline. Even though he won, it was kind of – was it a split decision or unanimous? Um, I'll tell you in one second. It was a unanimous decision. But two, it was a two to one. It was two to one. Like it was one to one going into in the fight was like coming down to the end. And I'm like, Keenan Song, you're getting taken. You got taken down by Krantz. You got taken down by Callan Potter. Uh, the Alex Morano fight. I, I just didn't see the volume. Every time Morano hit him, he would just back up, and he he didn't answer enough until like maybe the end of the third. So there is signs to say that Keenan Song kind of holds back. His wrestling isn't very good. Max Griffin has uh, hit some takedowns against guys like Alex Morano, but he, but the thing with Max Griffin is he just his striking defense is a little shaky, and he gets he gets wobbled a lot. Morano wobbled him, Eliza wobbled him. I mean, a lot of guys have rocked him. Tiago Alves wobbled him. So there is openings for Keenan Song to uh, to capitalize and throw that right hand and counter him 100. percent But I truly do believe that this matchup favors Griffin. I think he's tougher. I think he's fought the tough, the uh, the uh, tougher guys. I think he's more active and throws more. Um, Like, I'm, 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 I I like what Keenan Song did, but I think there has to be emphasis that that was against Callan Potter. And uh, I'm gonna go with Max Griffin for the win here. I think he's just gonna grind it out. Uh, From a betting perspective, look, I agree. I would never bet Max Griffin at, at a number like that, just because he's got a losing UFC record, if I'm not mistaken. And pretty much a uh, majority of his fights are close. So I get it. But just from the tape and what I've seen, I think he's tougher. I think he throws more. Um, I think he's willing to take more chances. And, and, I, and I see him getting this win. So I'm going to go with Max. I mean, I agree with Max being favored. It's just to what extent. I thought the opening line, may, maybe some middle ground between the opening line and where it is now. Like maybe Max Griffin minus 150, minus 160. But minus 200 is too much for me because – 
even though you're 100% right, we've wanted to see more volume from Keenan Song, but that's something that can be fixed. You're, you know, whereas like durability issues are something that, you know, that that's not as easily fixable. Um, so with this year off, I'm hoping because like I know it was Callum Potter again, but I like the fact that he walked him down from the, from the start of the bell. And I, I know this is going to be a much tougher opponent, all that. Um, but man, I feel like there's a lot of openings. And one thing about Keenan Song is the guy is a sniper. It's just about him, you know, waiting too much for the perfect shot. That's what you got to be worried about. And then falling behind on the cards. But I mean, I've seen Max Griffin lose decisions to washed up fighters before. Like Tiago Alves is a legend of the sport and a former number one contender. But when the the, the time when Max Griffin fought him, like that was already Tiago past his prime. And I don't care who you scored that fight for. The fact that Max made it that close with Tiago Alves is very suspect to me. And in a lot of these fights, the conditioning seems to be a problem. Now, that might be something that he's fixed because he looked great in the third round of his last fight, but there wasn't any resistance there. I think there will be some resistance here. And again, it's a close fight. I understand the lead on Griffin, but at plus 185, I'll go with the dog uh, in this spot to hopefully catch him with something opportunistic along the way. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between two Mexican-American studs. We got Adrian Yanez, he's 12-3, and and Gustavo Lopez is 12-5. and Currently, they got Adrian Yanez, minus 210. The comeback on Gustavo Lopez is plus 190. So, Shaq, um, a lot of people are comparing Adrian Yanez to a young Jorge Masvidal. And the reason they are is because, you know, he's a young Latina with some good hands, and I agree with that 100%. However, the reason I compare him to Jorge Masvidal is a completely different reason than they do. The reason I do is because if this fight goes past the first round, if this hits the scorecards, get ready to lose a controversial split decision just like Jorge Masvidal used to do throughout his entire career. So that's where I see the comparison because Adrian Yanez is a 500 fighter when fights hit the scorecards. So all I'm saying here is if he does not knock out Gustavo Lopez in this first round, get ready to cry robbery. And with Gustavo Lopez, look, we talk about Adrian Yanez's knockouts and I like them. He's got great stance switching. His boxing for MMA is on point. He's mixing in his kicks these days. He's fought some good guys on the regional scene. But like, let's talk about some of Gustavo Lopez's knockouts, man. I mean, he won the combate belt um, at 135 pounds. And when he knocks dudes out, I mean, it's like uncomfortable to watch how they get stiffened. But he's also got the more well-rounded attack. He can mix up uh, his takedowns, get this to the mat. He's got a good jujitsu game. Uh, so there is a chance Gustavo gets knocked out. He's been knocked out before more than once, actually. However, if that does not happen and this becomes, you know, a back and forth fight. I think it is a dogger pass situation, Shaq, because one thing about Adrian Yanez, he's always looking for that perfect shot. So he's not really chipping away at guys throughout the fight. It's more so there's a lot of breaks in between. But when he fires, he fires very hard. All I'm saying is if Adrian Yanez does not knock out Gustavo Lopez in this first round, it is going to be a Mexican bar burner. And for that reason, I got to go with the dog. So I'm actually going to go with uh, Gustavo Lopez to upset Adrian Yanez, especially if he can uh, mix in some takedowns uh, and get this to the map. But don't sleep on his power either. Tough fight, but I'll go with the dog here, Shaq. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, my camera's was acting up. But yeah, uh, I think Yanez is overhyped a little bit, man. I think... He's got some good striking, but look at the guys he's fought. I mean, those guys don't belong at all. Uh, Victor Rodriguez, you think that guy's going to... Oh, shit, we lost Shaq. Um, we'll hear from him when he comes back. But, I mean, basically what we're trying to say here, it's not a knock on Adrian Yanez because, I mean, those knockouts he had on uh, Contender Series and in the LFA, you definitely got to take note of them. It's just that you also got to take note of the fact that... 
every single time he's been to the scorecards, it's been very, very sketchy. So that's uh, what I'm most worried about here. And this kid, Gustavo, might be a little bit underrated. Shaq, uh, can you hear me? All right. Well, we'll wait for him to be able to hear me. What do you all think? Because I know Adrian, one thing about him, people are talking like he's a future top 10 guy. And that's what I'm kind of curious about. Is he really a top a future top 10 guy you know domingo Pilarte beat him right it might have been a while ago but like i think adrian Giannis is a much better talent than that so he kind of underperforms when these fights go the distance and that that's what i'm most worried about uh here just waiting for that perfect shot you know it's tough to knock out a, a mexican with a chin like lopez so Shaq, can you hear me i can see you perfectly yeah i can hear you all right cool go ahead uh Yanez and, and and Lopez. Yeah, I think Yanez is a little bit overhyped. He's got some good uh good hands, but the guys that he fought are nothing to write home about. I think the hype is a little bit too much. I don't see like I, I just feel like every single week, Daniel, like there's a prospect on the card that they're they're saying's a future top ten, top fifteen guy that, you know, hasn't fought anybody. The last guy he fought, do you think that guy's gonna win a UFC fight? Um <laughs> you got from Alaska, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like he, that kid ain't gonna. He's not gonna do anything. Um, I think Gustavo Lopez has made a lot of improvements his last few fights, uh, especially in his stand up. At when I first started watching tape on this man, I was thinking, yeah, it's it's probably will be an easy KO for Giannis. But around the like last two, three, especially when he rematched the guy, uh, what's his last name, Aldenai or Aldi, yeah. uh, something like that. Um, I was I was impressed in that fight. I know he uh, he's Caraway's homeboy from from Washington. And I, I see, I see little signs of caraway with those, with those chokes. I mean, I feel like he changes the momentum in a lot of these fights with his grappling. Um, like he'll be getting picked up on the, getting picked apart on the feet and then he'll, you know, shoot these takedowns and just run with the momentum um, with these, with this choke game, he can transition, he can reverse position. I mean, I was very impressed with Gustavo's ground game. Um, and I've seen Giannis struggle with the wrestling when he fought Miles Johns. Um, I don't know if you remember that fight, but him and Miles Johns, they fought for the LFA title. And he kind of, he cracked, I think he might have even dropped Miles or hurt him like early in the in the fight. But then he just kept getting cleaned against the fence, kept giving up the takedowns. And um, we'll see if it's like, it can definitely be worked on. I just don't view him as the surefire top 15, top 20 type of guy. Um, but we'll see. I think this is a tough fight. There is, I'd be lying if I said there is an openings for to him for him to crack Gustavo. But if he's overconfident, thinking that on the feet that this matchup is uh, a walk in the park, Gustavo does have the power to to possibly knock him out or even wobble him. And I do see holes he, in that fight against uh, the Alaskan guy. I mean, he was kind of swinging big, wild, loopy, kind of getting overconfident. I hope he takes Gustavo a lot more seriously. But I do think there is. Uh, but this fight should be lined a little bit closer. I think Gustavo's got what about the same experience, if not more. He's got more fights, right? Yeah, he's got more fights. He's a little more tested. He, I think he's got a grappling edge in this fight a little bit. Um, so we'll see. I, I mm, it's a tough fight, but I'm actually taking Gustavo for the win. I think he pulls up the uh, pulls up the upset. I think that his uh, striking has gotten a lot better for the the last couple fights. He's got power in his hands. He's been training with uh, in Las Vegas with. Guys like Nick Sick and Cody Stamen and uh, E Gay and all and all those dudes at uh, Extreme Couture. So I, I like that camp, and I'm gonna take him for the win. But Giannis, I wouldn't be shocked if he won. But I, what I really want to see is does Giannis have like a a three round boxing style? I, I know he's got a 
you know, the big shots and the flashy shots, but I want to see if he can strike and, you know, land volume throughout three rounds. So that's what I'm interested to see. That's what I want to see too. I mean, I, I agree with the Masvidal comparisons, but for different reasons than everyone else. So let's see uh, what the deal is tonight. Oh, you're, talking, I mean, you're, you're talking about when like George lost decisions to uh, Ally Kenta and, and, uh, Rustam Kabilov and uh, and, so, exactly. and and Luis Palomino and etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and I mean, the and uh, the and the South Korean guy. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, it was even a thing where, like, even in fights he won. Remember when we saw Jorge fight Ross Pearson in Atlanta? Oh, and like man. the first oh, yeah. round, he drops him, and then he starts coasting, and we're like, dude, stop coasting, stop coasting, George. So it's that same shit with Yana's. You know, he might drop Gustavo, and then he'll stop fighting completely. You'll be like, Adrian, throw. You know, so that that's what I'd be worried about. Featured bout in the strawweight division, we got Cheyenne Baez. She's five and one. She's taking on Montserrat Ruiz, who's nine and one. Currently, they got Cheyenne Baez minus three fifteen. The comeback on Montserrat Ruiz is plus two eighty five. So, interestingly enough, I actually think this is a tougher fight than the K Hansen fight. The reason why is because K Hansen is kind of one dimensional. You know, kind of like not really a threat on the feet. Has a good head and arm throw, and then on the mat, K Hansen's a problem. Whereas Montserrat Ruiz also has a bit of that head and arm throw type thing going on, but she'll actually come out here and throw bombs on the feet. She's tough. She's Mexican. She comes to fight. She's been in there with UFC vets. I saw her fight with Daniel Taylor, and I was like, you know what? Like, let, let's give this girl a shot. Like, I didn't think that she was like, you know, I don't think she doesn't belong or anything like that. Like, I think that Montserrat Ruiz belongs in the UFC. So here's my thing. Cheyenne Bays might be 10 times better than Ruiz, and she still might lose this fight. And let me explain what I mean by that. For some reason, and I don't know why, maybe you know the method to the madness, but for some reason, a lot of these girls that have been so damn impressive on Contender Series, they lay an egg in their UFC debut. You look at Tyla Santos, you watch her, your Contender Series fight, you're thinking, hey, this is a future top 10 fighter, and now she is a top 10 fighter, but she goes in there against Barella, and we're thinking, like, I mean, all, the tape the tape will tell you that Tyla Santos is going to kill Barella, like, destroy her. It's going to be the easiest money you ever made, and that fight wasn't even about what Barella did, right? That fight was Tyla Santos laid that UFC debut egg, and simply didn't fight then you look at de paula goes out there on contender series lands over 100 significant strikes looks like hey she might be a future top 15 fighter goes in there against a washed up fighter and Jin Yu frey who you know and, and this wasn't even about Jin Yu frey having some career defining performance like Jin Yu frey will not be in the ufc this time next year just like mara romero barella and de paula had that laid that debut egg so now with cheyenne bays not only is she making her ufc debut not only did she look fantastic on contender series but she's actually cornering her husband earlier in the night. So she's going to have to go through a little bit of an adrenaline dump. And let's say JP gets submitted. Let's say JP gets knocked out. Is Cheyenne going to be able to get her head back on straight uh, to come out here and fight? Because one thing about Ruiz, she might not be the biggest. She might not be the strongest. But she will come to fight, Shaq. So look, Cheyenne Bays is better than Ruiz. She's got better volume. She can keep the fight standing. Um, I think she should win this fight. It's just, is she going to come out here like Tyler Santos and De Paula lay that debut egg and let someone that's not even on her level come out here and beat her? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier in the week. I was thinking if JP gets starched or submitted, uh, should that line be coming down a little bit? Uh, just because, man, I think that's a big risk cornering, cornering him up. But if he wins, then I guess that'll be a good moment, I guess. But uh, it's a big risk. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, as far as this fight, I think Cheyenne throws a lot of punches, a lot of volume. But I think, honestly, man, to be honest, I think that she could possibly 
I don't know if tonight's going to be that spot, but in for, uh, in general, moving forward, I do think that she is a tad bit overrated. I think she throws a lot a lot of punches, and I think that uh, her, her fight against Contender Series was a good showing, but that girl she fought is really no threat at all, and she was kind of just recklessly coming in the pocket, you know, letting off on four or five punch combinations without without anything in return. And if you do try to do that in the UFC uh, strawweight division, eventually you're going to run into trouble. You know, somebody's going to make you pay. Um, and I haven't necessarily seen enough against, you know, the best girls, the player. At, I mean, because she is like, what, minus three something, right? Like minus, uh, what, three, like high threes, right? Um so I'm not so sure she can back up the line. Look, Monster Rat is a tough Mexican, very durable. Um, I, I see Cheyenne just throwing more punches, landing more punches. But I think it's going to actually be a, a good fight, man, like a possible one where Monster Rat even wins a round going into the third round and and maybe you're, you're sweating a little bit. It just depends on what happens with JP's fight because if, if JP gets, gets uh, guillotined or choked out or smash mounted, I mean – you know, Cheyenne betters better be uh <laughs> better be uh looking to hedge or or something, man, because we'll we'll see. But I, I I think Cheyenne's gonna win. But moving forward, I think uh you gotta be careful with some of these uh you know female uh like prospects just because uh they they say all of them are the next best thing. You know, whether it's I remember when Marina Rodriguez her fight off the Contender Series, she fought Randa Marcos who looked like you know, not very good up until that point. And, and she kind of laid an egg in that spot too. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, I think I didn't give a pick. My pick is Cheyenne Bays. It's just my concern is what I told you, the the Tyler Santos versus Barella or De Paula versus De, uh, Jin Yu Fry type situation. It's like you're, you're, you are better than Ruiz. You are the clearly better fighter here. You should be favored and you should win. It's just, are you going to, you know, pull that UFC debut stunt, lay an egg? Hopefully not. So my pick is buys, but that's obviously my concern. Now, man, I just got some bad news. Uh, Gregor Gillespie, Brad Riddell got canceled um, due to COVID protocols. I don't know from which side or whatever. It really sucks because I was looking forward to talking about that fight. Man, I was looking forward to talking about that fight because, like, who's your, who's your pick? My pick was Gillespie, but it was like not as confident as everyone else. And the reason why is because like, I thought Gillespie was going to come out here and obviously he's going to out grapple Brad Riddell. He's got much better wrestling than him. I was just worried about like what we talked about on the phone the other day. Like, hey, let's say he takes him down three or four times. They get back up and have one little stand up exchange. Not that Riddell is just going to knock him out in that one exchange. But like, man, Gillespie gets tagged up a lot in a lot of his fights, man. Not just the Kevin Lee fight, like even against like Jason Gonzalez and shit. So I like. I agree. Like, if you got minus 150 on Gregor, minus 170, okay, that's a great price. But, like, now minus 250, minus 270, I thought it was getting kind of out there. So um, my pick was going to be Gregor, but I was getting kind of sketched by the price and all the action on him, Shaq. Man, I was actually going to roll with the uh, underdog, man. I was actually going to take Riddell. And my, my breakdown for this fight was, yeah, look, if Gillespie, if Gillespie clings on to him, whatever. Like, but at this, it's plus 200 now, right? Like, once it hits – Plus 200, and then, then it was like green light uh, Riddell, Riddell for me just based on the fact that Gregor Gillespie hasn't – he was not a top 15 guy. This guy was severely overrated. He beat Jason Gonzalez and got tagged a bunch by Jason Gonzalez. He fought Yancey Medeiros, and, Dan, we were we, – we, I mean, when's the last time Yancey Medeiros looked good? I mean, I, I can't tell you. Um, and then Long he, fought, time ago. <laughs> he fought Jordan Rinaldi, Jordan, yeah, Rinaldi, Holbrook. <laughs> like this guy was severely overhyped. Kevin Lee, look, 
Kevin Lee is a good fighter. But, Dan, you ever seen Kevin Lee just come out and finish dudes in the first round? No, Look, when, Greg, when Gregor Gillespie, <laughs> when Kevin Lee is out here standing in the pocket with you and knocking you, I think there was a there's Gregor Gillespie striking is not very good. But look, if he clings to Riddell, props to him. But at, playing it at minus over minus one fifty, in my opinion, is playing with fire. Just because Brad Riddell throws those impactful, long, crucial shots, like he might land a, a severe body shot in the first round. Uh, he stopped Keenan Song with the body shot. But even though you might get him down and cling on to him, it's about just just waiting him out until he can't do it anymore. And he's a big boy. cuts a lot of weight, too. So I honestly thought Gillespie would win the first round, maybe even the second. But towards the end of the second, he'd, he'd get tired. This, you know, I think that Riddell, he fights with a lot of spirit. His last fight was a good prep for this fight. But we'll see. Uh, I'm sure they'll rebook it in a couple of weeks. So. Um, yeah, but, but at plus two hundred, man, I I thought Riddell was the uh, side, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I understand the action on Gillespie early on with that early line. It was a great line, but now, like you know, price is everything, and this sucks for Riddell because these guys from down under they got to go through like some serious quarantine type shit. Like they got to after their fights, they can't even come home for like two three weeks. Like so, man, I I really feel for uh, Riddell. And hopefully, like, they. I think it's like more than that, to be honest. Like. It might be. I mean, you know, Dan Hooker, like like you saw that heartbreaking picture of like him with like a barrier between him and his daughter. Like it's like sad what they have to go through. So hopefully they can rebook this, make it a quick turnaround and we'll see who the better man is. But now uh, it's time to talk about the main event. Before we talk about the main event, uh, thank you very much to everybody who's here with us. Do us a favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. We truly appreciate it. Now let's get down to business, Shaq, because the main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we got Derek Brunson. He's 21 and 7. He's taking out Kevin Holland, who's 21 and 5. Currently, they got Kevin Holland minus 175. The comeback on Derek Brunson is plus 165. So this is the best version of Derek Brunson we've ever seen. The reason why is he's a lot more composed than he used to be. He's not coming out here charging as recklessly as he used to with his chin straight up in the air. He's not redlining like he used to. He's not losing his cool. So that's good. However, people acting like the durability issues are gone, that's complete bullshit. The durability issues are not gone. It's just it, his lack of composure is gone. He's, he's, he's coming out here. He's a lot more focused than he used to be. But you look at these guys he's been fighting, Elias Theodoro, let's not even let's, let's not even go there. Ian Heinish. Now, funny enough, if you go back and you hear my breakdown of that fight, I picked Ian Heinish via first-round head kick knockout. He goes out there, actually drops him with a head kick. I thought that prediction was going to come to life. But you guys know Ian Heinish is not a top-ten fighter. He got grinded out. Edmund Shabazian. Look, the kid's talented, um, but we all know what – what happens every single time Edmund Shabazian goes past the first round? Fights get <laughs> sketchy. I mean, he's only been past the first round twice against Darren Stewart. And we'll talk about Kevin Holland's Darren Stewart fight in a second. But you guys remember Edmund Shabazian versus Darren Stewart. He was barely holding on in that fight. And then the only other time he went past the first round besides that was the uh, Derek Brunson fight. So Edmund Shabazian, look, one thing about Holland, he's not a 19-year-old kid who's 11 and no like Shabazian. And I know he's not really 19. He's like 23. I'm talking shit. But still. Kevin Holland's not a kid who has only had 11 pro fights. Like Kevin Holland's had more wins than Edmund Shabazian's had fights, period. So Kevin Holland's a much more experienced guy. He's paid his dues. What I'm worried about is this, Shaq. Kevin Holland is so damn confident in his jujitsu that he doesn't even give a fuck about stuffing no takedown. Like he wants to fight off his back. And I'm not sure you want to do that against Brunson. Like I know that Jacare fight was spectacular to watch. However, I'd be lying if I didn't say that Jacare is completely washed up. And I know Jacare knocked out Brunson twice. It was just a completely different era, though, of when they fought because Jacare wouldn't be caught dead getting knocked out on top of someone 
And you know what's funny about me saying that, Shaq? You know what's really funny about me saying that, Shaq? Is that Gegard Mousasi knocked him out with an upkick, right? But uh, what I'm trying to say here, though, however, is that Jacare on most occasions is very heavy on top and stuff like that wouldn't happen. Like you saw how he reacted to that one punch, the first punch that landed. I just didn't like those reactions. Now, could that happen to Brunson? Just like whether it's on the ground or on the feet, Brunson, you know, takes a big punch and doesn't, you know, it doesn't have his equilibrium about him possibly. Um, But I, but I do think that this is going to be a a much tougher fight. Um, But I do got to go with Kevin Holland. Look, I've been high on this guy since before he was in the UFC. I thought, the war on Holland has always been this guy is extremely talented. There was just questions about, you know, if he takes it as seriously, you know, he's, he's that talented guy that doesn't really work hard. But I heard that after the Brendan Allen fight, he started working hard. Now he's taking it seriously and you see the results since. And, you know, I want to make an excuse for the Darren Stewart fight and this might come back to bite me in the ass, but I think there might be some truth to it. So Kevin Holland's had 26 pro fights and I've probably seen like 20 of them. And in the 20 fights that I've seen of Kevin Holland, I've only seen him have two knee braces on in one fight and that was the Darren Stewart fight so I have reason to believe he might have been injured in that Darren Stewart fight because I've never seen Holland with two knee braces on in any other fight and that being said I still thought he clearly won the first two rounds he lost the third definitely but like me and you were in attendance when Derek Brunson got blown out the water in the third round against Yoel Romero so it's not like Kevin Holland's the only one who's got cardio issues down the stretch so this is a great fight but I'm going to go with Kevin Holland to catch him with something opportunistic. That's the thing about Holland. He's one of these guys, you know, watching tape on it doesn't always make sense because he does shit that you can't quite cap. You can't quite quantify stuff you've never seen before. So I see something spectacular happening. I understand why people are on Brunson. Take this guy down, hold him down, wear him out, and eventually you can break him. And I understand that is a viable path to victory. However, I'm going to go with the with the unknown here, man. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland to land some shit that we probably don't even expect. So I'm going to go with Kevin Holland to get this big win and move up the rankings. The only thing I'm worried about is I know he talks every single fight, but I kind of don't like how he's been talking this fight. Like, oh, there's no way I lose to Derek Brunson. You know, when you start saying shit like that, there might be a way he loses to Derek Brunson. Like he's a little overconfident. So that's what I'm worried about. But I'm still going to pick Kevin Holland. Let's see what happens, Shaq. Yeah, I was going to mention that, man. Look, I, I, I think things are trending Holland's way. A lot of signs. Look, this is a, almost a setup fight. This is trying to get Holland to win here. The thing is, I'd be lying. And look, I, I know you guys have heard me say this hot take for a while, and people have actually even messaged me and said I'm crazy. But I honestly think that Jacare's MMA jiu-jitsu is overrated, man. I think that, like, he's a – you know, jujitsu and MMA and jujitsu and, you know, and the gi is two different things. And I think when punches are involved, I've seen Jacare have dudes fully mounted and slip off, slip off the back, like all these things several times, man. And uh, that's just my take about it. So, and I, and I think Kevin Holland, that was a great creative knockout, but like you said, Jacare is completely washed up and I mean, I was Jacare. Should is he is he still he's still he's still signed, right? Yeah, he didn't get cut. I'm tripping. But, unless uh, they have unless they haven't let him know. <laughs> oh man, you know they haven't let him know yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd be lying if there wasn't a path for Brunson here, and I and I do think this number is a little much uh, from the betting side of things for Holland. He gives up takedowns every single fight. Brunson, this is the best I've ever seen him, whether it was Elias Theodoro or 
Ian Heiner, sure. But Edmund Shabazzian, I think he deserves a little bit more credit for that win. I mean, he was a serious underdog in that fight. Edmund Shabazzian, I mean, everyone was saying he was he was uh, the golden boy. He was, <laughs> he was he was the future one. And sure, every time he gets out the uh, first round. But we've seen Derek Brunson get KO'd stiff in the first round so many times that we just automatically assumed, okay, Edmund Shabazzian will do the same thing. Now, Kevin Holland is a lot more tested, a lot more experienced. He's got five losses. Is Kevin Holland fought Rafael Lovato, you know, when he was like super young, <laughs> like you, uh, like Kevin Holland has seen that Texas MMA scene. It, it ain't no joke, you know. They fight, they actually like can't fight cans. They have to fight, uh, they have to fight real dudes. So I think Kevin Holland, I'm gonna pick him to win this fight, but but I have a lot of concerns with the way he's talking. I think he's a little overconfident, and I think he's, you know, with the whole just the some of the like these are the quotes you see right before they take a, a humbling ass whooping, you know, like he's messaging Derek Brunson. And I know Brunson, he did say that Brunson tried to like big brother him in the past and like talk to him like he was his little bro. But, you know, Kevin, sometimes you got to be humble, man. I mean, look, it's Brunson. Like he has been in the game for a lot longer than you. He was trying to use you. I think he was trying to use him as a, as a sparring partner for the Adesanya fight. But Brunson, he's actually got a real coaching team. I mean, we know some of Brunson's uh, local scene people, like from the NFC scene. You know, th those are no offense, great coaches. Uh, I mean, look where they got Derek Brunson. But you know, when you're fighting guys at the at the high level of the sport, top notch of the game, like the Adesanya's, the Jacare's, uh, you know, those things, you need a Henry Hoofda, and I think that's what's given him just a better mental state of mind currently. I mean, he sounds. I'm not gonna lie, man. Brunson was. Almost selling me, man. This dude is very composed. He's not letting Kevin, uh, unless I don't know. I mean, usually uh, the reason I say this because I mean, look at his Adesanya fight. You remember the, the the shit that was going on before that? Or the one? Whitaker fight? The Whitaker fight. Like it was like the dude. Like he, I've seen him get super carried away, like with the with the trash talk, and um, and it not worked out for him. But now, I mean, Kevin's DMing him. He's he's uh, you know, saying all this shit to him, and he's like, you know, he's just brushing it off his shoulder. So I I applaud him. I just don't think this is the time to fade Brunson. Like he's looking the best he ever has. He's confident. Um, and the guys that Kevin Holland beat, look, Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart. I mean, Darren Stewart ain't he ain't even top. What's he ranked? 50, 60, like 40, somewhere in that range. Um, no, no, he can't be in the 30s. I know that. Like, um, actually, top 25. Wow. Well, that's that, and that's why that's why I tried to fade him uh, last week because he's severely overrated. And, uh, <laughs> um, and Listen, I, I, I don't I don't care what the unified rules said. I, I know I watched a fight and I watched Eric Anders beat up Darren Stewart. So they got into a fight and Eric Anders whooped his ass. I don't give a fuck what any athletic commission says. Between you and me, Eric got baited into that knee, but it's all good. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I think that he, the competition level is nothing necessarily fluffy. Hernandez, like good guys, but they aight, you know, they aight. Um, Buckley, like you know, the good dudes that I expect Kevin Holland to beat. I was actually, I actually bet Kevin Holland when he fought Brendan Allen, and I was very disappointed. And I'm glad to see that kind of put a a fire under him because that fight, I was like, I was like. Ke like Kevin, you just you just lost to Brendan. No offense to Brendan, but Kevin should have won that fight, and he knows it. But uh, let's let's see if he redeems himself. I kind of feel like this could possibly be a similar type of matchup. So, um, and there and him and uh, Brendan Allen and Brunson are actually training together. So 
we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm gonna go with Holland just because I I love the, I love Big Mouth man. I love <laughs> I love him talking shit and I, I love uh, the whole you know dildo comments and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I busted out laughing at that. So I, I'm gonna go with Big Mouth. He's been going off with some of the shit he says. Yeah, he, and, he, and, you, know, you know, between you and me, he's going a little overboard this week. But um, was, I, I hope it works out for him. I hope it works out for him. Oh, I know he's he's been going overboard. I mean, when he said there's literally zero chance I lose to Derek, yeah, Johnson, I, I was like, I was like, Kevin, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> don't, don't jinx yourself, young man. You know. It's like don't, when don't. Her, it's like when Alexander Hernandez makes a meme, and then you just know he's gonna lose. Now it's, it's like, kid, you don't, you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> yeah, you know Hernandez thought he won that Moises fight. Yeah, it's sad. Hey, good luck in your next fight, kid. <laughs> yeah, that's all I gotta say. Because you know, I actually thought Hernandez made improvements. Sad yeah. that uh, he's so he's so he delusional. Uh, he looked good to me. Yeah. All right. So we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. Before we do that, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us. Do us a favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for tonight's UFC Vegas 22? My fight to watch is going to be Max Griffin versus Keenan Song. Both of these guys are Max Griffin. I mean, I've never seen Max in a, in a boring fight, um, except no, nah, because the Emadiah fight wasn't boring due to Emadiah. He was trying to stall, I will say, but Imadiah, it was an exciting fight. Max Griffin is never in a boring fight. Keenan Song is rarely in a boring fight. I mean, some dudes either get knocked out or it's a, he got a fight of the night with Murano. So I'm expecting that to be a possible fight of the night and um, a lot of blood to be shed. So that's my fight to watch. For me, my fight to watch is Grant Dawson versus Leo Santos. I mean, both guys are undefeated in the UFC. Someone's UFC O has got to go. And I have a feeling that it's going to be a very tactical battle. It's going to, there's going to be a lot of, Man, it's going to be very intriguing because you got the seven-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion Leo Santos, and you got this phenom, uh, alleged phenom, and Grant Dawson, who's sixteen and one, who's moving up a weight class. Like, I'm just very curious to see what happens. Like, is Leo going to give him that vet lesson, ass whooping, or is Grant Dawson going to show him that? Like, sorry, old man, but there's a new generation coming up. So for that reason, I'm very excited about Dawson versus Leo Santos. That's my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for tonight's UFC Vegas 22? My uh, fighter to watch is going to be Mr. Giannis, you know, baby, baby Masvidal. I want to see how he performs tonight because I think Gustavo is a little underrated. I think Gustavo has some advantages in this fight, possibly. And if Giannis comes out here and starches him, I mean, he's about to get a, a, a pretty good push. I mean, they're, they're calling him little Masvidal. So, you know, Masvidal is one of the biggest stars in the sport right now. So um, I want to see how Giannis performs against a very tough guy in Gustavo. Um, and the Bantamweight division is turning into how the lightweight division used to be, man. I mean, the Bantamweight division from 1 to 30 ain't, it ain't even no easy fight. So, I mean, you got dudes like, unfortunately, Davey, dudes like Davey Grant are out here starching dudes, man. You got, you got, uh, man, so, man, there's so many dudes at Bantamweight these days. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is uh, for me. And speaking of Bantamweight, my fighter to watch is Montel Jackson. Listen. He's the biggest favorite of this car. I'm not going to be satisfied if Montel Jackson comes out here and wins a 30-26. I'm not going to be satisfied if he comes out here and plays this safe. He needs to come out here and destroy this guy, blow him out the water, and finish him in under one and a half and just destroy him. And then I'll be happy with that performance and we can move on to another big fight. But like Montel, like 
this is a showcase fight. This is your opportunity to show that, like, hey, I am that top prospect still. I can compete with the big dogs. Maybe the Brett Johns fight was just a little growing pains. You know, I personally think it was a bit of a stunt. I personally think he needs to be all in. But whatever. I want to see Montel come out here, and, and I want to see him starch this guy. So for that reason, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the Apex. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. We truly appreciate everybody being here with us. Make sure you hit the like button and the subscribe button. And then also subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week for UFC 260. Shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Make sure you'll go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. And thank you guys very, very much again. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.